0: i rugby fans in World's PO Forecast episode 130. It was cold. It was a tough game to win, but it was three points for the Blues. During the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie?
3: I'm not so bad, Hugh. Thank you. Yeah, that Gillingham game, freezing. Second coldest ever been at a game, and probably my least favourite round. Sorry to Jill's in the blood, but I really don't like the Priestfield Stadium whatsoever.
0: No, the same. I, you know, you're a bit concerned it might. Is it going to stand up for that long? You know, the word stand seems a little bit subjective. Is it going to blow
3: over? Yeah. Is it going to collapse?
0: <laughs> Genuinely felt so cold in that stand. And, but I wanted to put my hood up to keep my, my ears warm. If I did that, I couldn't hear anyone around me or anything that's going on. It was a bit of a weird experience, really. But we had a good day out, didn't we?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, an amazing, amazing time catching up with friends, seeing everybody else at the stadium. The, li- the limbs after the last minute goal, perfect Saturday. Perfect Saturday. And I didn't get lost in the tube, which is a bonus, which I thought would happen.
0: I thought that was top work as well, Freddie. I was pretty impressed. You were already there before I turned up, looking rather hungover after too much tequila. Uh,
3: yeah. And then, uh, yes. And then uh, someone else decided to give you a tequila shot for the first alcoholic drink to try and get back on it, which was not nice. Not nice at all. Top some work friends from are, right? Top work from Proudie there. Nice one. Yeah, I know.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. We've got no Andy Mitch today still. So he'll be back to him next week, hopefully. And Frankie's not feeling too well. So today it's just me and you, Freddie. Back to basics. Here we go. First of all, we're going to review the freezing win against Gillingham. Following from that, we did some reactions in the stand. We spoke to people before the game and afterwards. And I sort of lost my voice and made a Muppet out of myself. So that's going on in the audio as well. Then we're going to speak to Brody, who works for Harrogate, or Harrogate, as Freddie keeps reminding me it's pronounced. It
3: it is Harrogate. That's the the proper name to pronounce it.
0: (laughs) All right, says the Yorkshire man. It's Harrogate, according to Freddie. So I'll go with his opinion as the expert northerner on that. But we spoke to Brody from Harrogate Football Club. He works in media and does some YouTube stuff as well to preview the game against Harrogate. Finally, we spoke to James Mappin from the Wednesday to Die podcast to preview the game on Tuesday against Sheffield Wednesday right that's a lot of stuff to get out there Freddie so let's go my voice is holding up a little bit it's still a little bit sounding a little bit croaky from the weekend shouting I actually lost it a little bit on the Monday I couldn't talk properly after shouting at Pompey so bear with me people and I'll try and speak clearly but that game Freddie let's be honest we thought it could be a little
3: bit easier than it was didn't we it had nil-nil written all over it pretty much until the 90th minute. Uh, there were a few, ch- Pompey had a few chances at the beginning, Marlon, Romeo, and Hurst, forcing the double save from Jamie Cumming and the Gillingham goal, who I thought was one of their better players. He had an excellent game, deserved the clean sheet, really. But aside from that, it was, it was ve- a, quite a turgid game, a very stop start game for multiple reasons, um, partially due to tactics, partially due to refereeing. And all five of us were stood, stood in the stand, getting frostbite in our feet, thinking we've come all this way dur- during a storm and it's going to end in a nil-nil. We thought, we thought it would happen. We, we definitely thought it would happen. A
0: hundred percent. At half time, I actually, you know, I w- went to the toilet and thought that was the only way I was going to warm up for a second, really, while standing in there. suspect a of I needed 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 to go or not, but... I think the thing really was in this game was it looked like a game that Gillingham's sort of their long ball style seemed to be what was you know impacting the game. It was a lot of the balls in the air, wasn't it? Pompey was struggling to get the ball down on the floor. You know, Louis Thompson and Joe Murrell weren't getting on the ball. Not their fault, it was just very bitty and Pompey really failed to establish the sort of press that we saw against Lincoln. Fred, do you reckon that's mainly because the fact of Lincoln playing a, f- a style of football where they want to pass it out and therefore... Pompey pressed to force them to go long was that's not really the sort of thing that's going to work against Gillingham
3: yeah I I think Gillingham definitely played to their strengths and limited Pompey so much Um, some of their players I thought were were quite stand out Danny Lloyd at right wing back I thought he he was a nuisance all game he was the sort of winger who you hate on the other team because not only can can he bring the ball out of his feet and take on a fullback, but he's also, he's also lippy off the ball, get, gets stuck in, falls over as well. Very frustrating player. Mustafa, Mustafa Carriol on the other side also provided a lot of Pompe- problems for Pompey because Gillingham had a lot of whip to try and put in those crosses into John Akinde and some other players. But it was obvious that tactically they were doing stop-start stuff. There are instances where the ball was going out and either Lloyd or Carriol could have picked it up and put across in as a box, but no, they let, let it go out for a long throw or they went down a bit easier before the penalty area by, by a free kick just to get a set piece in. Pompey, could, Pompey couldn't Pompey could get as much of a handle on the game as they could have done. The weather didn't help, but it was more so the fact that Gingham limited Pompey so much and... It wasn't just a stop-to-start stuff as well. It was, it was in the, the data as well. That, that they had higher accuracy in duels across the board, whether it was in the air or, or in possession or out of possession. They just won the ball back from Pompey a lot and definitely stifled the control that Pompey have had in uh, some other games.
0: They definitely did that as well, didn't they? But I thought it looked like it was petering out for that 0-0 because without Vidane Oliver, your favourite striker in the league... They didn't really look like they had a real threat, did they? And that was sort of compounded when John Akende went through one-on-one, managed to sort of turn Ogilvy, challenges him a little bit higher up the pitch, hoping to win the ball. And it's just, he's managed to get through one-on-one. And in the end, it was quite a comfortable save for Bazunu. Do you think that that was the case that Gilliams didn't really have any players that could actually finish those opportunities, which is really shown in their, their lack of goals that we talked about before the, before the game?
3: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, I thought Kende had a reasonable game from a Birmingham perspective. He, he was an absolute nuisance to the centre halves. Manager, it, it got away with a lot. He got away with a lot of persistent fouls. Definitely, it was definitely a presence, but he had no end product really. Like a lot of target men strikers, you see, only, only the real good ones have end products. So, uh, anybody can have a presence and cause some centre halves some problems. But if it, if if the wingers stay out wide, and he's not supported narrow. And if, it, and if the striker itself doesn't have really a clinical edge at League One level, then they're going to have problems and they're not going to convert any chances. Pompey, had, I, think, I still think, even though Gillingham made it so the game, made it so a nil-nil was a fair result, Pompey had the better chances, mainly in the first half.
0: I thought Conor Ogilvy did very well. We talked about the Sean Raggett missing in the centre of defence and how that was going to play out as well. I thought Ogilvy did pretty well anchoring that middle. Obviously, he's not going to be quite as dominant in the air as someone like Sean Raggett, who could have maybe challenged the Kinday of a little bit better, uh, you know, sort of one-on-one in the middle there. And that might have helped us a little bit, stop them having that outball as much. But I thought, in general, Conor Ogilvy did really well. What did you think about
3: him playing in the centre? I really liked it. Really, really, really liked it. I don't think... When Raggett comes back, I, w- I wouldn't keep Ogilvy in the centre and put Raggett on one of the wider centre-half positions because we know we know what happens when Raggett gets isolated against the fast player. It, it doesn't really work. But Ogilvy, I thought, commanding a defensive line like he did, um, battling with a striker like John day especially, put, getting those key blocks in, putting himself about, that was he was he performed excellently. And he, and he said in an article in the news that he played centre-half for Spurs and it was clear that he was comfortable in that position. He was definitely comfortable in that position and he's definitely an option there going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, the goal that came, Michael Jacobs obviously comes onto the pitch. It's a great substitution by, from Danny Cowley. We know what he can do. He, he's he's a game changer in that sense. And I know after the game, he said about the formation maybe not suiting him getting into the starting lineup. But to bring him on at that stage of the game when we needed someone to add a bit of penetration to the team, Michael Jacobs comes on, he looks dangerous. He has that, that one chance that goes through where the referee strangely calls it back because Gilligan players kept going down, holding their heads in the middle of the play, which I thought was absolutely outrageous. But skipping past that for a second, so I don't dwell and moan about it. What did you think about the performance from Michael Jacobs and how he created that goal?
3: It was such a key substitution, wasn't it? How many times we said that Danny Cowley's substitutions often change the game. It's it's a complete one eighty from where we're, from where fans were thinking last season, where oh, it doesn't really matter what subs what subs happen, it's not going to change anything. Jacobs coming on, it was a brave sub. Cowley could have just left it and accepted the nil nil draw, and it would have been a bit of a grim result. At least Pompey wouldn't have lost. But no, bringing Jacobs on, playing him sort of as a as a wing back. He offered so much going forward. Drove the play whenever he got on the ball. He was always an option, and he's not he's not afraid to take on players. And he, t- he took on about he took on two Gillingham defenders before getting that that cross come shot that goes into the back of the net and had everybody jumping up and down all over the place, which I loved. And yeah, he's slowly he's slowly but surely becoming an option. Yet I agree with him himself where he says, "Oh." the formation doesn't suit him. No, it, not really. You could play him a bit more central, but he's so much better playing out, playing out wide and tucking inside, taking on full backs. Him playing central, would be a bit weird in my opinion, but he's definitely an excellent option to have, isn't he?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think Pompey came out today and said that the goal has now been officially credited to Michael Jacobs. I don't know if that's because they think the shot was on target or I, I mean, I'm, I don't know how that works out. It doesn't look like it to me at all, but he'll take that, Michael Jacobs. He'll he'll take that as a win, even though he said own goal and Marlon Romeo said on the thing, OG, OG. So he'll definitely take that one as a goal and chalk that up as his fantastic run of results um, continues with him in the side for Pompey. Yeah, no,
3: excellent excellent run of results. What is it now? Seven Seven games games unbeaten? Eight
0: games unbeaten, six wins, I believe, in all competitions. Yeah, exactly, um, and not many
3: goals conceded either. Um, One
0: in the last six, I believe it is.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just goes to show what, what what any what any team looks like with a bit of confidence in them. Absolutely, the, the the players are definitely definitely up for it now. They know what they're doing. They're helping each other out on seemingly on and off the pitch. The press is still as intense as it always was. The, the passing's crisper. And yeah, it, it, they could have eas- the players could have just said in that game, "Oh, we don't really fancy it against Gillingham. We're going into a nil-nil-nil-nil. is nil, nil, not a great result." But no, they pushed. They battled the entire game. And yeah, it definitely, it definitely gave the fans a lot to jump up and down about in the stand.
0: Yeah, talking about giving the fans something to talk about. Obviously, Danny Cowley gets booked at the end for celebrating a bit of passion. I think that Kenny Jackett came out and said that's why I didn't do it. But uh, no. <laughs> Well, do you, even know, do you even know what happens if managers get
3: so many yellow cards? Is it I like don't a think player? anything happens. I don't no. think anything happens. I think they just accumulate yellow cards. Otherwise, Joe Barton won't be able to manage a game ever again, surely, because he seems to get a yellow card every fortnight.
0: <laughs> I don't think it means anything, does it? So, who cares? Let's be honest. But there is one man who cares about that, and that's Steve Evans. Now, <laughs> the fat bastard himself. Some,
3: some of the, some of the some of the quotes that I've got, um, I've paraphrased them. I haven't g- gone the whole hog, but. Some of the even some of the phrases are just hilarious, aren't they?
0: Yeah, no, they're massively hilarious, and shout out to the lads behind us about five or six rows behind us who have the dedication to keep up the Steve Evans songs, <laughs> no matter who joined in. they carried it on, and you know, I admire that
3: perseverance, Freddie, that's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, anybody <laughs> out of that game knows what that song was. I can't repeat it here, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah you can I just okay. can't remember the actual <coughs> words to it, but um. Yeah. No, some, some of the phrases from Steve Evans <laughs> saying that, oh, Pompey's celebrations re- re- resembled a World Cup game. They got, the, all their, they got their Christmas presents, that they got three points. They were out of ideas in the second half. They were talking, He was also talking about the centre half, saying, oh, I'd I've, I've seen Sean Williams play centre half in the championship. I wanted him, but Ports have of offered a lot more wages. Sean, Sean Williams played in midfield in the championship. He he filled in a centre half on, on occasion, but he's a centre midfielder. He also and then he mentioned saying, Oh, I know Sean Rackett was out, we know we know him up here. Um, but he's not exactly a world beater. I'm paraphrasing all this, by the way, not direct quotes at all, but it just comes across as a, a man who was extremely bitter. Very bitter, and a manager who seems fed up fed up with his lot, to be honest.
0: Yeah, but you could see as well that I think Danny Cowley's played him like a fiddle mate. He's been all positive about him, so he sounds like he comes across really well. You know, oh no, respect him, We're that kind of manager, with that many prom- the promotions, and plays the sort of manager's union sort of sentences that comes out. Then he just drops in little things that might wind Steve Evans up, like the lack of centre-back depth and Gillingham have got all these injury issues. The fact he talks about having no centre-backs available when Conor Rogelby obviously can play in the middle
3: and stuff that. I thought, like I thought that. the funniest comment was where on the talk of over-celebrating he said I didn't even do somersaults or backflips
0: (laughs) (laughs) just top shithousery from a manager really up the shithousing blues mate and I think Danny Cowley being in sync with the fans there that's absolutely class mate and yeah there's not really much more I can say about the Gillingham game unless you've got anything before we move on
3: well there is one thing we have to do for the Gillingham game before we go well the first thing is talk about the celebrations in the stand my God, probably the the best limbs that are, that that, are, that I've been a part of in a while. I got, I didn't even care. I got punched in the eye. Well worth it. Well worth it. I still don't know who did it.
0: But I don't think bothered.
3: it was me, but it could have been. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> but, but um, is it bruised that way? Anyway? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, but again, I think there's one statistical thing before I go on to the most important bit. Pompey's passes allow per defensive action again seven seven point one eight, which is incre- Which is below that eight bar. If you think that eight is a high press, Pompey playing at seven is exactly averaging a seven. Is exactly where they want to be. Then our third, according to White they're third. Uh, they've got the third highest press in the league, and the only teams above them are Rotherham and Wigan, both teams up up, up there in the table. Look as if they're promotion candidates. So Pompey are in good company there. But the stat that's the most important. We're going to play. Guess the XG. Guess the XG And it's going to be a bit weird because Hugh's on his own this time. So <laughs> he, he's he, he's either going to get a point, or, or I don't know how we're going to work this. To be honest,
0: let's just go for it.
3: All right, I'll give you the. I'll give you the XG. Um, Pompey had a higher XG than Gillingham, I'm sure. I think something that Steve Evans wouldn't have liked to, to hear. What was Pompey's XG for the total XG for the game at the Priestfield Stadium?
0: So it's quite unlucky because I usually have looked this up, but I haven't. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going to go
3: with one. One isn't far off. It's not far off. It, it is 0.84. Right. Okay. Which is 0.84. The highest was um, the highest shot was Marlon Romeo so you, you, you know the, the double save on the 11th minute. George Hurst cutting in. Yeah, come, coming, palms it wide. Romeo hits the shot. That hits the high shot. It looks like it's going top corner, but coming managed to make the save. Yeah, Pompey had the better chances in that game.
0: What would you say? like point 0.4 or something like that? P- 0.34. Oh,
3: okay, that's not bad, is it? <laughs> not bad. You're getting better, are you? You're getting better, aren't you? I'm improving,
0: mate. <laughs> All right. Well, since I've now got a point on the leaderboard there, so take that, Frankie and Andy. Suck it, because you're not here. So... I think I'd
3: probably have to give you the point for that. You were close enough. Otherwise, I would have given myself it. I don't oh, okay. you me on there. Does, did the bonus of me
0: getting the Gillingham one within a couple of points, is that, did, that, did that tip it over the edge?
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 of course it did, yeah quality
0: (laughs) and after hearing me and Freddie talk about the Gillingham game what we did is we decided to do some half-time and post-match post-match for me sounding dreadful but here's our views from the Gillingham game live at the Priestfield Stadium
4: okay so it's nil nil at half-time between Portsmouth and Gillingham um Proudy what do we make of the first 45 minutes we've seen here today um like defensively, we're solid. I, I think we haven't really given Lum too many chances. I, I just don't think we're like really like proactive enough in attack. Uh, I think we need to be a little bit more. I, I don't think George Hurst has really got into the game that much. I, I think second half we'll, we'll probably like push on, hopefully. But we just need to get the free uh, front three involved. We're just not we're not really like getting them involved at all. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Defensively, not look too bothered. What's the prediction? For the second half, Proudy, how's this ending up? Just so we can make you Uh, sound really stupid on the podcast. I I think we scrape a goal, we win 1-0. Goal scorer? Harness again. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. (laughs) Okay, so Proudy, full-time, 1-0 Pompey. Last-minute winner, becoming a habit. I think you predicted 1-0 half-time. Thoughts on the second half, mate? Um... (laughs) I mean, we made very positive subs. Uh, I think Jacobs, Aziz, and Harrison all coming on. Uh, I think it shows that we obviously we knew what we wanted, which was three points. Uh, I think like obviously the goal, like it didn't look like it was coming. I think we we did put a bit of pressure on them, but we were really troubling them. I know Harness had a shot in the second half, which is probably our best chance, uh, which was saved by the keeper. But yeah, like you know, wins a win. It doesn't matter. There's win dirty, innit? In it. Yeah, win six dirty. Minutes, six wins in a row. Ah, oh, game's gone, yeah. phone's uh, gone. But no, six wins in a row, uh, can't complain. Uh, yeah. We'll just move on to uh, next, uh, the next match, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully get a free, you know, uh, hopefully get a win again. Up the fucking blues. Up the fucking blues. Right, final whistle. Pompey one, Gillingham nil. Hugh Bunce, what are your thoughts on the game, my friend?
0: Mate, my voice is gone. I thought it wasn't going to come right at the end there, mate. Absolutely buzzing, what a winner at the end! Makes being freezing cold, can't
4: feel my feet, voice
2: gone. And he's at the wheel!
4: <laughs> mate, it's you just going, fashion, mate! You go proper farmery, proper Bristol, daddy's a the wheel.
0: I just don't know what's going on now, but hey, go on, puppy! Alright, let's move on because I spoke to Brody from the Harrogate media team. We spoke about Harrogate, how they play. Their rise through the through the rankings, how he's been there all the way from the sort of the National League sort of like times up through how they've got their players, some of them, the squad are still there, how they're playing at the moment, and how he thinks. They're not going to come and park the bus. They're going to come out and try and score against the bomby fans. So here is my chat with Brody from the Harrogate media team. All right, I'm here with Brody Patterson from Harrogate Town Football Club and YouTube content creator. And Brody, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. You, you know what? It's been a, it's been an interesting season for Pompey. You know, good start, and then suddenly everything looks like it's falling apart. But now six wins in a row, unbeaten in eight, only one goal conceded in six, so can't really moan really. Not bad
2: to be fair. Not bad. We're doing all
0: right as well. We're I mean, yeah. Up. I was <laughs> I was down at the uh, at the Gilliam away game, and we scored in the ninety third minute to, to win the game, one uh, yeah. 0 Absolutely amazing, absolute limbs, loving it. My voice is just about recovering from from shouting out.
2: Every other game, I'm losing my voice. It's great. It's just what happens with how I get. So, yeah, it's just I love football sometimes with
0: that. I had to explain to some people at work. I was like, look, it's all right. I'm not sick or anything. I've just been shouting a lot of football. So, uh, people are a little bit worried about you coming (laughs) into the office like that.
2: I remember actually, uh, football wise, I had to actually get time. So, I'm in sixth form this year, and um, I had to actually get time off school to go to one of the games. So it was a proper rush. But yeah, it's been like, yeah, it's just great. I love doing it. So it's amazing.
0: So you've been with Harrogate really through their, for their rise. And it's been quite a quick rise through the leagues, isn't it, for Harrogate generally? And you started out, obviously you doing YouTube stuff for them there and you, you find yourselves now uh, in League Two and in a playoff position. So how's that been for you generally on your journey through those years?
2: Very surreal. So obviously I started doing YouTube around the, well, 13 times. So the first season we got promoted, the first season we got promoted. So, I was following Town the season before that and like yeah it's been a massive massive rise the thing I actually like about the club as well is a lot of the players still there from when we started it's been like a like, very very close connection I think the way Simon has dealt with it and so it's like farewell and poor like, farewell they've done unbelievable and just it's just to see the club progressing in that way especially off the vicious of season now it's been amazing I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it
0: and you say that you've got some of the same players going through the ranks and stuff. How would you describe the team's identity? Because when you've got a team that's like been played together like that and obviously you add to the score as it goes along, but what is this team? Because a lot of Pompey fans maybe aren't as familiar with Harrogate. What's this team's identity? How do they play?
2: So it's we've got a very similar system. We've played the same system, really, since National League North. We love We Our best formation this the season is 4-3-3. We like to get the ball out wide and just run it plays. Diamond, obviously, you'd in last season in League, in League 1. He's unbelievable on the wing. I personally think he's the best player in League Two at the moment. Uh, so like, we like a white like paying attack football. We've got Josh Fulton, uh George Thompson, There's a lot of players like that, still in that first team that were there in Ashley North. So the, the club is massively progressing. These players have come along with us and improved massively. To be honest, like if we got into League One, possibly I think mean, these players could go on and play in League One as well.
0: It's interesting as well, because, you know, we're looking at Gillingham, who are struggling against us in the last game. They had one player, Dane Oliver, who you mm-hmm. probably know a little bit about through those for the non-league ranks. And then you looked at the goals scored after that and they dropped off straight to three. But Harrogate have got quite a good mix, haven't they? You've got Armstrong up front, he's got nine in the league this season. Patterson yeah. at six, you know, Maldon on six. So how how are the goals scored? Is is there more than one outlet to Pompey to be aware of? It's not just a, a mark one player, is it, with Harrogate? It's quite scored by by, uh, by group yeah. and such.
2: See the one thing that frustrates Harrogate is we don't shoot enough long range. Like we just seem to get the. we literally, seen Josh Falkenham, I love him, but he seems to always get the ball of Gerrick to play our wide try and pull it across. But the last couple of games we've had, it was Rexham at home, and I think it was Walsall away. and Power scored two, a three, two free kicks, literally identical. A uh, little tap from Diamond. It was just a little curl into the corner. It was beautiful. So we've seemed to doing that, but we just like to play pass and move, and we played. We scored an, a brilliant team goal against Walsall. Keeps note, we kept the ball for like 45 seconds and then put it in. It was amazing. But the thing I like this season, we have a lot of different players scoring. Whereas last season, Muldoon was, was the only real player that was up there, top goal scorer wise. We've got like Armstrong, you're saying Muldoon, Patterson, Diamonds getting up there now goals. So it's a it's a lot of team effort. There's a lot of tacking attacking force going forward, which is really really good.
0: Pompey have got some quite good centre midfielders, you know. You're likely to play the likes of Joe Morrell, obviously, he played in the Euros, well, does play for Wales in the Euros in the center there. Yeah. You know, Louis Thompson, and then players as well that you know come down from the championship, Sean Williams, Ryan Turnicus, probably not going to play, but you know, those, those sort of players. Yeah. So, how do you think Jack's going to fare again playing against those sort of players?
2: To be honest, I think he'll do all right. I mean, the way we play, is, obviously, we play four So, We have normally a normally diamond out on the left hand side, Armstrong, and we have power Thompson on the right hand side. But I think, I mean, Diamond this season has been unbelievable. There's been times in the league where he's getting the ball and there's three players going towards him and he's still beating them all. So I think if we we get the ball down and play and give it to Diamond, he's going to cause a lot of danger. I personally think he is coming up to be in League One. Couldn't believe when we signed him again. I thought some of them made a massive mistake, but I'm not complaining because it's a big signing on our part. And I think it's been one of the big reasons why we've done well this season.
0: London and making a massive mistake sounds familiar. I think probably fans can get on board yeah, with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But that's Sunderland fan as well. So, yeah, I've had a, I've had a few conversations about all that stuff. So. You've
0: been through the mill as well then? Yeah. yeah they're doing all right
2: yeah. now, right? You, you still happy yeah. under Lee Johnson? I mean, I'm not a Sunderland fan person, but my dad is. So, like... Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and I think they're struggling. I know, I know Johnson was close to getting sacked from what he told me, but
0: I'm not too sure. No, all right. He's got to give him a bit more time and doing all right. But... yeah. Just focusing back on Harrogate for a second, I suppose, then how are the fans feeling about your position? I think you're currently seventh in league one with my minimal amounts of research that I've done, et cetera. So yeah. what, were the, what were the expectations at the start of the season and, and you know, where you find yourselves now?
2: So when we I mean, it's really weird because like we have some fans that like have high expectations obviously because of how well we've done. There's some fans like that are kind of being a little more realistic, but personally, it starts sitting down to take mid-table. But I think the start we had was unbelievable. We've always seemed to start off a really fast pace, get a good amount of points and team drop off. And this season, we've seen to drop off a little bit, but we've bounced back. Whereas last season, we completely dropped off. And we were kind of close to being like near the relegation zone. But this season, we've just kind of kept the, main, kept the rhythm and maintained it. But I think a lot of fans are, aren't surprised where we are. But I I mean, I think we all know ourselves. We could see ourselves going higher, maybe pushing for the automatic. So we just, I mean, the the whole thing about Harrogate is aiming high and just trying to be do one better. I think the way we go as a club, it kind of shows it on the pitch.
0: And obviously, Pompey aren't a complete stranger to Harrogate fans. Obviously, obviously played each other before mm-hmm. in recent times. Ronan Curtis scored that that beauty of a goal yeah. from distance, absolute tacker that was, and then went over and shushed your fans. And does, is that, yeah, is, that is, he, is he going to be what a player that's he's going to get a bit of stick from the travelling support?
2: I don't think there were. I'm not really sure how many fans will go down on Saturday because obviously the distance. And, I mean, fair play to... A lot of our fans have been good to every game this season. I think there's like about 40 of them went to Crawley, which is unbelievable on Tuesday night. Um, but I think that... To be honest, a lot of our fans, for some reason at the moment, love singing the LA, LA, LA song we have, and that's been going constant for 90 minutes. So I think our fans will be very, very loud on Saturday, depending on how many we bring, But obviously. But we just continue to sing. And I think there won't be any like bitten us from what happened in the past I think we'll just be looking forward to enjoying the day because to be fair it's a big day for us I think it's the second or third time we've been in in the second round and I think it's just going to be an amazing day it just shows how far we've come as a club and are you
0: going to come out and attack us? Or is it going to be one of these situations where a team comes and sits deep and parks the bus, as Pompey fans would say, in front of us and tries to, to frustrate the team and, and stop Pompey playing? Because, you know, at the moment on Danny Cowley, uh, we're going to play with wing-backs mm. on one side. So you've got Marlon Romeo on one side. You know, he's very quick. who will attack your left back and, and we'll try and get forward. And if you let us establish that getting forward, yeah. it can be quite difficult for you. So how do you think Harrogate are going to play against Portsmouth?
2: To be honest, I don't think Carrigan Town will change how we play. We always like going, like starting on the front foot, 15 20 minutes, going that team and being really attacking. I don't think that'll change. I think personally, I think we'll just play how we normally play. I think we played, we played Carlisle away last Tuesday. I mean, we, we kind of sat back, which was really weird for us. Then we went to Swindon on Saturday and we got a point where we played really attacking football. So I think against you lot, I think our best bet is just to attack and get the play out wide and just try and play how we normally play. Because honestly, when we play Oh, when we're on our day it, we're unbelievable at times so it'll be interesting to see how we
0: do and is there anything you want to ask me about Pompey in particular any, any info you want to get from our side
2: it's that guy still that rings the bell because he, he was at the home game all you, all you could hear was a constant bell ring
0: he's always there mate he's always there Legend. love him or hate him very Marmite yeah. figure at the club so yeah he will be there
2: yeah but yeah I, trust, I don't really know what else to say really I mean the Pompey obviously you're a massive team you won the FA Cup so it's just going to be a great experience really for us
0: yeah, and the uh, prize obviously is a place in the third round. So I'm just going to going to kick it into the interesting bit here, Brody. I want to know your match prediction for the game against Portsmouth and any goal scorers who'll score.
2: See, I always get predictions wrong, um, but I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to nick a one-nil win, and I'm going to say either Jack Diamond or Luke from the score like a last-minute winner, possibly. But we really interested to see what happens
0: absolute confidence there mate and I would tell you that I get predictions right but that would be a complete yeah. lie <laughs> because it doesn't always happen like that does it at all Yeah. so anyway Brody thanks for coming on the show much no appreciated um, tell people where they can find you when they check out your stuff your videos etc
2: so literally if you look up Chief Brody on YouTube it'll all come up uh, if you look up as well like Harrogate Town blogger that'll come up and a lot of my content as well is going through on the Harrogate Town channel as well so I'm doing like ladies content first content a lot like I'm just basically everything involved around Harrogate Town so It'll, it'll mainly be on the Town channel as well so go check it out through there or obviously
0: my channel chief Brody much appreciated mate and I'm sure Pompey fans will check that out anyway have a good one mate no and we'll see if you're right and I hope you're not but I will see if you're ho- right
2: ho- hopefully we
0: are hopefully <laughs> good luck for the rest of the season we're not against Pompey
2: cheers you too mate <laughs> thanks
0: dude thanks Brody for coming on the podcast that was really appreciated Freddie, I was looking around for a Harrogate media person or podcaster and I found a bit of a struggle if I'm honest. I had to reach out to Gabe Sutton who pointed me in his direction so pretty happy we managed to get that one.
3: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It was was great to get some some insight into Harrogate. The last time I was there was a a pre-season friendly where I think Harrogate were in the Conference North at the time. Played York City, beat them in the pre-season friendly and Vidane Oliver was playing for York City and he was absolutely dreadful so that's probably why that's probably why I still think he's dreadful, even though he's a much better player since then. But no, excellent gets some Harrogate fever. He's your favourite strike in the league, as I keep saying. I'm pretty. sure he is. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so
0: let's get into what we think about the Harrogate game here, mate, because it's not going to be an easy game, is it? Especially when an underdog comes to Fratton Park. Sometimes you think these teams will come quite defensively and sit back, but I was, when I was chatting to Brady, one thing that stuck out is apparently against Swindon. They came out to try and really press and win the game against them. They will play the ball wide. They will put balls into the box and try and attack us. So it'd be interesting to see. Do you think that Harrogate will come out and do that against Pompey, or are they just going to sit back and try and counter punch us right to the death?
3: No, they'll do it the former, won't they? <clears throat> they will. They will. Because what, what do they have to lose, really? It's in a way get, It's the way game at Fratton Park in the FA Cup. They could play defensively and try and get a replay, but I don't see why they would. They're a fairly lead two side. Their, their forward players aren't completely stereotypical fourth division players. They, they, they've got a bit of belt them. They can bring the ball out their feet. So I, I don't see why they would go defensive. Why would they try uh, try and attack Pompey, Exploit, exploit some gaps, which some t- sometimes the team has.
0: How do you see us lining up in this game? It's quite difficult. Does Danny Cowley take the winning side and just roll with the winning team that we've got for the that we've on this winning run at the moment, or does he sort of? try and you know rotate the squad get some players games who aren't necessarily
3: playing and focus on the league. I think he'll do a bit of both, won't he? I think he'll do a bit of both because Danny Carroll takes takes cup games seriously, but there's a there's a big midweek the big week, midweek game against Sheffield Wednesday. That's a, that's going to be a really rough game. That's going to that could be a season definer. So so the Harrogate game on Saturday might be might be the time where he swaps out certain players. Maybe maybe starts Aziz instead, or or maybe even gives Gasanahabmi a run, or or start or starts Rico Hackett, or maybe even Michael Jacobs if he's fit. He, can, he he can he can make some changes. See where it goes. I don't I don't think he'll play the same eleven. I, I don't think so. It, it'll be enough rotation where it's noticeable, but not not near enough a full starting eleven.
0: Got a feeling he rests Louis Thompson in this game, you know, just to keep his keep his fitness up and focus him on the league and those sort of important fixtures. I think you could see I could see that happening. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you do want to get that balance. You don't want to completely change the momentum of the team who are playing so well and sort of, you know, end up on a hiccup where you go out the cup and it, it derails us, derails the team. But I can't see that happening. I think he'll make a few key changes, but I don't think it's going to be a, a wholesale change, as we said. So, Freddie, I want to know what your score prediction for the game against
3: Harrogate is and your goal scorers, please, mate. But considering Pompey's form, I don't, I don't think they're going to drop at all. I think that it'll be, still be fairly comfortable. I'm going to go over a 2-0 win with George Hurst scoring a brace because I still think he'll start over the weekend. That'd be
0: nice to see as well, wouldn't it? Keep that tally going. Keep that tally going. I think he's unlucky not to score against Gillingham, so I could see that happening as well. I'm going to go with a two-one Pompey win. I think maybe they grab one against us. Who knows? And I'll go for just to differentiate a little bit, mate. To be honest, a two-one Pompey win. But I think we'll I think we'll edge this one out. I think we'll do a good job, edge it out, progress into the third round, and then hopefully, all I want is a bigger away day. I don't know about you. But I want to get a big excuse. team any away excuse. from home. Oh yeah, any excuse, <laughs> any excuse for a beers up away day. But um, on that topic, is there anyone you want to draw in the FA Cup
3: in particular? Is there a team that you want to I go? I haven't with? thought about it. I haven't thought about it whatsoever. Because normally I would say just a big northern, t- northern team away from home. But obviously, since I live down here now, that's not for the not for the same selfish reasons. Oof. Leeds. Leeds. I've never been to Ellen Road. Neither have I. That that will actually be a cool game because Leeds aren't even playing that well at the moment. They're struggling a bit. They, they'd rotate their side. To be fair, Leeds away from home would be a, would it would be an excellent away day. So I'll pick that one.
0: Yeah. So let, let bring on the uh, the away day to QPR then, as
3: always, in the, in the cup, right? Pro- probably, or or Bristol or Bristol City at home, or you know, something not not very exciting. Now we've cursed
0: it as well, really talking about this, haven't we? talking about the next round on the podcast yeah
3: that's not a great thing bro brody's probably thinking well who, who are these two just missing harrogate already
0: yeah that's when you get thumped thumb three nail now and uh it's going to be sound clipped and posted in the harrogate official channel website and or maybe just dubbed over a youtube video oh so god
3: oh god i can see it now
0: All right, let's get into the next bit, because we also have the game against Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday, and we don't always preview the Tuesday games, but I thought this was a big enough game that we wanted to preview it, really. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday playing well around us as well in the league, ahead of us, but this is a massive game. Pompey have been on, uh, obviously, a really good run at the moment, but this is going to be a really tough test. So we spoke to uh, James Maplin from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. We obviously spoke to him about how the season's going, Darren Moore, and just generally about how we think they're going to do against us. So here's our interview with James from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. All right, I'm here with James Mapping from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. And James, thanks for coming on the show. No
1: problem, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: No, welcome. And uh, obviously being one of the teams that's been joining joining League One, sadly for you, but obviously nice for us. Uh, it's the first time coming on the show. So just starting at the beginning of the season, what were Wednesday's fans, you know, what do they think you should be doing this season? Was it promotional bust for Wednesday?
1: Uh, it's a funny one, really, because at the back end of last season when we got relegated, um, speaking to many people, including myself, I was dreading this season, to be honest. Uh, With the the players that were leaving, um, we hardly had a team at all. Like, all the best players were leaving, although you could say those best players got got us relegated last season. Um, Yeah, it it didn't look good. Um, But then throughout pre-season, we had, what, 14 signings, you know, some fantastic signings in Gregory, uh, Dennis Edeniran, you know, there's a whole host of signs that we'd, that we'd made, and just the yeah, we we, we wanted to go up. Like, right? and I think the way we started the season as well, I think we got a bit giddy uh, to be to be perfectly honest. But yeah, I think it, it was strange how the mentality shifted from from that of being we're going to struggle to that of being we're going to walk the league kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and here we are now, kind of. Neither neither or, really. We've um, had a good start, shaky in the middle, but we have picked up a little bit of form uh, in recent weeks. I have to ask about some of the signings that Wednesday have made.
3: Lee Gregory seems like a coup already, doesn't it? Seven goals and four assists
1: in, in his league games? Um, he, he's a goal scorer, and that's something that we've missed. Um, I'll give you a statistic. 2012 was the last time we had a 20-goal-a-season striker, and that was, uh, that was Neil Mellor. So... Um, yeah and, and before that i think it was steve McLean back in 2005 so since the since the millennium we've had two 20 goal a season strikers which you know that's poor really we've not we've not really had a goal scorer even even in the season where we got into the playoffs um in the, in the Championship, we still didn't have someone that scored 20 goals a season. And I, I think Gregory is that man, uh, if we can keep him fit. He's fox in the box, you know, six-yard box. Give him a sniff and, and he'll put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah, when we when we signed him, I were, that, that was one of the signings and probably one of the best signings that we did make in that, in that transfer window, to be honest.
3: He seems to be supported by the rest of some of the other players <clears throat> very well.
1: I've, I've noticed Florian Cambare play as well. He, he was brought in. Does he he was cra- crap Does at the start of the season, by the way. Was he? <laughs> <laughs> awful, absolutely awful. But uh, yeah, yeah. to be fair, I mean, on the podcast we've said in recent weeks, like, you know, we hold his hands up and he has actually put a shift in and, and he had a few weeks out of the side and, and since he's come back in the side um, in the last four or five games, he has done, you know, brilliantly. Like it, and him and Gregory have kind of worked a bit of a partnership together, which is always good to see.
0: Is it fair saying that Wednesday struggled a little bit with sort of injury issues, and then going on to sort of you know not converting draws into wins in this league and grinding out those sort of results? Is that something you think will just time will come as we go on into the
1: season? Um, struggle with injuries. We, we I don't think there's ever been a season where we haven't struggled with injuries. To be honest, and uh, at one point we had nine players out, and you could argue that eight of those would would just walk into the side. So we we're almost playing like a second second string. I mean. In in defence, we've got one recognised centre back in Shea Dunkley, and at the start of the season, he was third choice. So, uh, I mean, it, he's one player of the month for uh, for November for for us. Uh, he did fantastic, and and he's another one that that has really stepped up. But yeah, we've um, when you say you know we've picked up points, you could argue that we've we've actually dropped two points on on most of them occasions. You know, you, you must have seen the the Ipswich game where. Uh, where yeah, you're nodding. <laughs> Bailey Peacock foul chucks the ball down. That's you know a stupid mistake to throw two points away. Uh, Wimbledon we we're two 0 up. We've drawn two two. There's been lots and lots of occasions where, you know, like I said, we haven't we haven't ground out anything. We've we've actually just thrown the points away. And and yeah, I've, I've said it quite a few times that it's fine margins. There's um, a lot. We've only lost three times this season. Uh, we've a hell of a lot of draws. Uh, and I, I'd still say that there's only one. It was only one game against Plymouth where we actually got beat in terms of like playing off the park. The other two defeats were Oxford, where it was two-one, and, and um, the other one was Morecambe where we hammered them for full ninety minutes, and they got a we scored an own goal, and that was their only chance. So yeah, the, um, we just, I said, we're throwing points away, but all the games are close. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's been one game where there's been more we've lost by more than one goal, so fine margins you have ifs buts and maybes i know you can go out through the whole season and and say well we could have picked up two points here and another point there but actually um you're right in what you're saying in that if it does click i mean on paper you look at the side that we've got and we should be up in the top two really like but obviously that's why we love football because it's not played on paper so i
3: noticed (laughs) a few things um is the style of play the reason why you? might not have been able to convert those draws into wins because uh, I noticed that you play uh, playing a back three formation. Pompey struggled earlier in the season when they implemented the back three. There were gaps in defence. Is that the same thing? Is that a worry or is it just um, a case of individual errors just costing costing Wednesday points?
1: Yeah, the individual errors massively. Like, I mean, the, the recent three games, you know, we've um, picked up seven points, you know, should have beat Wickham. It should have been nine, to be fair. Um... They the way they played, they were you know didn't look like they were a team that were at the top of the league to be to be fair. So that's that was a bit of a disappointment. But in terms of the style of play, uh, it's only recently that we've actually kind of we, we, we've it was very slow to start off in the season, like very slow, very predictable, very tippy tappy football. I mean, we've got good players in that middle of the park. We were playing with Barry Bannon. Um, Absolutely plays every single week. Uh, we had Louis Wing as well, George Byers, who were good footballers. But we found out that, that 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 doesn't work in this league. I mean, when you come up against clubs like yourself or like a Wigan or a Sunderland, then yes, that that style of football will work because you've got two good footballing sides. But when you come up against a, a Wickham or a Gillingham or a Morecambe, they're just going to you know battle hard, and and that's not really what you want. So we partly has been partly been forced with the injuries that we've had this, this style of play has had to change a little bit gone a bit more direct and we've seen to um get more get more results from that we've been yeah we have been playing three at the back uh, i think that's you know down to the fact that we've got no defenders whatsoever. So our hand's been forced a little bit. But uh, but yeah, in the past three weeks, it's seemed to be to be working, getting getting out wide. You've probably seen, if you've been been looking, the amount of chances that we've been creating. I think we've had something like 50-odd 50, 50 shots in the last three games. So um, that was an issue at the start of the season. Now we are creating a lot more. For me, it's been quite an interesting game because both of us play three at the back. Both of us have had sort
0: of defensive issues. You know, we played a game against Gillingham in our last game where only Conor Ogilvie, who, you know, arguably is a centre-back who has played left-back, was a recognised defender at the back there with Sean Williams uh, and Kieran Freeman filling in. who's a right-back in the middle. Pompey also liked to play it wide, but to the wing-backs and try and play through those wide triangles, try and get the ball moving on the floor if possible and try and, and try and play, play it out. And if you guys are then going to try and hit us you know, away from home, go go a little bit more direct over the top. I think it's going to be quite interesting. And how do Wednesday deal with a team like Pompey who are keen to press you high up the pitch and win the ball back in that sense?
1: Uh, we do struggle when we get pressed, to be to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, saying that, we have got some fantastic footballers when you when you look at you know Barry Bannon he's someone that can he's, he's like a magician and he put him in a tight tight spot and he can get out of it Massimo Luongo who's come back from injury he's played um in the last two or three games he's you know that we've missed him so much this season he's, he's only played one bit you know before he came back he's played in one game was that that was against Rotherham and he absolutely wiped the floor with him that was earlier on in the season um he's a key key player so um it's, it's a strange one because the, the amount of injuries that we had and players coming back. I mean, Josh Windass is another one that's just come back from injury. I mean, he's the one that's, you know, he'd not played at all this uh, this season. So um, I think it will be a good uh, a good match. We tend to play better against the sides that do tend to play a bit of football. Um, you know, we're not just going to let you have the ball. We, we we like to have the ball as well. But like I said, we are being a bit more direct you know, it's nice to see that you get the ball that wide. We do, t- we do too. I mean, you might've seen Shea Dunkley he wins pretty much everything in the air. Um So even though defensively, we've, we've, we've lost quite a few players to injury. um When it comes to corners and stuff like that, he's, he's, I think he wins 12, 13 aerial jewels every game. And then your next, our next players won four. So, you know, he's, he's a, uh, he's good. I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll be a, a tough test. Uh, you know, down at your place um obviously away from home but it's one i'm looking forward to anyway
0: okay let's get to the meaty bit of the podcast and let's just roll into the last bit and say i'm going to ask you james for your score prediction for the game and the goal scorers please mate go on
1: then well we haven't kept a clean sheet for a while so uh, i think there's going to be goals in it i've always said if you can win a game our games at home and, and pick up points away from home then that'll stand you in good stead We've had decent runs so far. I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-2 draw. and we're going to have goals from, two from Gregory I'm going to go for. You're on fire, man. James, tell the Pompey fans where they can find you and look up your stuff. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, yeah, it's the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Uh, you can find us on all uh, podcasting platforms. You can also find us on social media. It's just at WTIDpod. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And since I'll be
0: there anyway, we'll be sharing your podcast across our network anyway. So fans, just click the link and you can find out where to find him. James, it's been a pleasure, mate. Cheers for coming on. No problem. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, James, for coming on the podcast. Freddie. It's going to be a tough test, isn't it? Lots of good players in that Sheffield Wednesday side. A team that are very difficult
3: to beat as well at the moment. A massively difficult game. James mentioned on paper that team has got quality up and down the pitch. Got Bailey Fuqua Farrell, a former international goalkeeper. Yes, he made that Rick where he uh, he dropped the ball and cost cost the L's three points, but he's still a solid enough keeper if he plays. They've got Barry Bannon in the middle, arguably the best player in the entire league. Oozes class. Top name as well. Yeah, yeah, and great with the alliteration, which you liked. A sort of player who can create opportunities in any style of play. He can play the ball direct, he can play the ball short. He can dictate the tempo in midfield. Excellent player, and also obviously Lee Gregory up front. Seven, seven goals and four assists. He, he, he's their main poacher. He's he's the outlet for, for most of their attacking options. Probably he will have to man mark him as best they can. I think Sean Raggett has to be on his has to have a very good performance if he plays against Wednesday, and he'll have a, he'll have a very big job marking Gregory for most of the game. But no t- tough side. Darren Moore, Darren Moore's an excellent manager. We have see, seen Pompey played against his his sides before, but no, but now he's managing a side with a lot of quality to it. They're very adaptable. They can adapt their style of play in so many different ways. Like James said, to either go more direct or, or to or to control the ball, dictate where it goes. So it's going to be it is going to be a very tough game. But but Pompey will have to get a result if um, if promotion's on the cards or not.
0: Absolutely. So it's one of these things now, obviously we spoke to James about his prediction and he predicted a 2-2 draw, Freddie, but I'm going to come to you now and ask you what you think your score prediction for the Wednesday game is and goal scorers, please.
3: Am I going to be overconfident to predict two Pompey wins? I'm not sure. Because I can't, I can't go 2 all because that's what James said. I'm going to go 3-2 Pompey win. It's going to be a manic game. Ch- ch- chances at both ends of the pitch. I think Wednesday will get their opportunities. I think Lee Gregory will get a brace, but with the confidence thrown through this Pompey side, with the with the press that they're implementing, with the crisp passing that they're, they're putting in very well, and basically their ability to create higher quality chances than, than their opposition recently, I'm going to go with Hurst, Curtis and Harness all to get one goal each. And we'll see it out and climb the table even further. Like in the confidence. I've gone for a 1-1 one, one draw.
0: I think it's going to be a tough game. I Did you say was... my predictions are boring? Well, you know, I'm usually the over-optimistic one, aren't I, Freddie? With these predictions.
3: Well, well, well not anymore. If you're predicting a 1-1 draw, surely.
0: Well, look, I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw. It's based on a head rather than heart, Freddie. I think it could go either way, let's be honest. But... We've been quite tight in games as well, conceding goals. I think it could be a one-one draw. So I'm going to go with a one-one draw goal from Gregory. And because all the Wednesday fans seem to be absolutely shitting themselves that Hurst is going to score one goal after their his flirtation with their club and how he got poached to Leicester and all that, it's a fairy tale story set up for George Hurst to bang one in against them and get a one-one draw for Pompey. All right. Have we done? Have I missed anything else? Oh quickly stuff yeah the tickets so I went online today to secure my my tickets for us a lot again for the Wimbledon game and people who listen to the podcast but for those who don't know I work in Wimbledon so for me it's one of the close games also travel down to Pompey each week to play um not to play travel down to Portsmouth to watch us
3: I was gonna say you're in the stand with me not on the pitch
0: (laughs) yeah exactly um and oh yeah went on went online a few minutes early and unfortunately all the tickets were gone and it seems the club released them a little bit early although i would say that they've only sold us a thousand tickets when the stand apparently holds 1400 odd as an away allocation so maybe some more tickets get leaked out for after that after selling the first thousand not sure but that's a possibility so it's just a shambles isn't it fred if you say the tickets go on sale at half five
3: you've got to just you've got to keep to that, haven't you, and set them at half five? Oh, it's, it's pretty shambolic, isn't it? And it's an, it, it's another administrative error for Pompey. Uh, they've made, and the club have made so many, so many this season for, from the ridiculous queues uh, in the first few games of the season where they changed the tickets, um, but they implemented the contactless things, and, and some of the other bizarre decisions for admin, people not being able to get on the ticketing website at all, not being able to Um, get tech support with it or anything. I don't know. There always seems to be a reason, even regardless of form, whether Pompey are doing really well on the pitch or that period they're doing really badly. There's always something going on which frustrates people. And eventually eventually fans are going to crack. They're not going to want to go, no, no matter how well Ports would do on the pitch. And they're going to be eventually alienated by all the nonsense that goes on. And it's hard to get f- fully on board with the, cl- the club off the pitch if these sorts of things are happening all the time.
0: Although something to cheer you up, Freddie, I've heard that all season ticket holders can now go and queue up to collect their season ticket pin badge at the club shop now, which just sounds like an even bigger reason to queue up to collect your badge. Post what, it out. Queue?
3: <laughs> Post another it queue? Another Oh, God. Post it out. I mean, if, if you get you a do pin You realise badge... how much envelopes and first-class stamps cost, mate?
0: <laughs> I don't want to have to stand in the pissing rain in the middle of, you know, in, in December to collect for pin badge. Put it out in the post, you cheap bastards, and <laughs> let, let me collect my badge, because I'm
3: not queuing up at... Outside again, the... again, It's not it's not a good look, is it? no it's just not and it gives, and it gives certain people another, another stone to throw doesn't it towards the ownership no matter it, no matter if you like them a lot it gets very frustrating yeah yeah. anyway moan over
0: about the logistics of what's going on at the club because I think we finished the podcast ready today I think that's it isn't it so thanks for coming on the show
3: always a pleasure dude and it's uh, always nice to be on the pod and chat about Pompey always a pleasure
0: and uh thanks to all those people as well who have repped us online for the spotify wraps thing as you know the podcast i listen to the most this year that is really cool to see we really appreciate you posting it and yeah little things in life right freddie who can be annoyed at ticket sales and pin badges for that sort of niceness coming from the listeners
3: no i, I can't be bothered to get annoyed about those small things it, 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 whenever i see those amazing comments about the show and it definitely reminds us why we do this so thank you so much
0: so until next time, Cloud Pompey. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO forecast at Pompey News Now on
2: Twitter for more information.
1: And there is the full time whistle.